0: there. Welcome to Cageless, a conversation podcast about experiential wisdom and personal hope. I'm Jenny Johnson. I'm a writer and I'm asking experts, thought leaders, and my friends to share their knowledge and tools on how they found freedom. I don't know if you listener believe in as our matriarch Miss Taylor Swift puts it, invisible strings. But I do. And today, our guest, I believe, and I are tied by one. There's really no other way to describe how we could possibly have met and became such great friends. Um, I also don't know if anyone who's listening has ever had a pen pal, but if you, if you haven't, I highly recommend. You can't have mine because she's mine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, um, this guest today is one of my favorite people in the world. Um, And her brain is one of my favorite to converse with. Um, She is a writer. She's a thinker. She's a wellness renegade. And I'm so grateful that she agreed to be on the podcast today. This is Miss Maggie Harrison. Hi, Maggie. Hi. You're going to make me cry in the intro. Yes. I love crying.
1: (laughs) Please. I love crying. I cry all the time by myself with people in movie theaters everywhere. Um, big feelings scale. but yes. faces
0: are wet. Faces are wet. Which I Always. will also say, I was obviously extremely excited to do this interview for a plethora of reasons, but one of them was something that I love about Maggie, and something that everyone else is going to love too, is that I never feel the need to metaphorically or physically like dress up for her. And I actually was having, like, a really interesting turn of events today, and I, like, have a pimple patch on my forehead. I don't have any makeup on. Like, I'm, like, wearing a sports bra under my jacket. And I was like, you know what? Maggie doesn't care. Maggie cares about my heart and my words, and I think that we should all have a friend like Maggie.
1: Yeah, I mean, so- I'm, wearing, I'm wearing zero bras, so that's just the situation that we're <laughs> in today. It's just a situation that
0: we're at. I've never heard that term. That's so good. None. <laughs> okay, Maggie, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how the heck we met?
1: Yes. Hi. Um, so two very good questions. Um, I guess the elevator pitch of me is, yes, yeah, so I am New Orleans-based. I am first and foremost a writer. Um, But as is a gig economy, I do a lot of different things, just general creator. I do a lot of social media professional kind of work. But writing, I do a lot of my own writing, copywriting, articles, all the things. But if words are involved, I'm interested and I'm there. Um, And she's great at it. Oh, I do what I can. Thank you. Trying to accept Mm -hmm. compliments. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I am – I live in New Orleans. I am from Pennsylvania. Um, And the way that we met is through the internet, which is so fun because it's something that both of us are interested in. I literally studied the effects of mass media and social media and the internet in college. Like that is my area of expertise in terms of like schooling. Um, But yes, we were both in a wellness group and Mm -hmm. Jenny messaged me out of the blue and she was like, is this weird? Hi, I want to be your friend. And I was like, this is absolutely not weird. I was thinking of doing this myself. You are so very cool and I'm
0: honored. Um, and then we just became pen pals. Literally, it was like, like friend dating. Like, like I said, I, I really do think that it, there's some sort of like magnetic thing with that, which like I said, this sounds like we're like romantically involved, which like friends, romance, friend romances are real. Um, but I like, yeah, like I think I checked out your page from, from the wellness group that we were in on Instagram. And uh, I was just like, she seems like the coolest girl ever. I wonder if she would reply if I would just ask. Because, like, first of all, making friends as an adult is so hard. You know what I so mean? Weird. Like, after you've left college, how, like what other segue is there other than being up front and being like, hi, do you want to drink wine with me and talk about life maybe one day? Yeah. And or like join an intramural team, or what? What else do adults do? You know what I mean?
1: It's so no. It's really it's so strange. <laughs> no, right? It's so Which weird. we were not
0: gonna do. We were no, not gonna do that.
1: No, my sports lives are over. Also, we don't live in the same place, so it'd be some no, kind of we digital don't. arena. Isn't um, it cool? It's so cool. And that's where, like, the internet is such an interesting, strange thing because there are so many wonderful, magical things that happen because of the internet, but then there are also just that are allowed to happen in the ways that they do because of the internet, but they're also, like, really right. terrible sides of the internet. So right. it's one of those things that, like, making sense of it in your life is always very strange and hard and yeah. weird, sometimes good, sometimes weird, sometimes bad to navigate, but yeah, I have lovely dear friends like you from it too so it's but you're so right about the like there's always times where you send me a message um about something or like you write something or you like share something and I see it and I'm like I literally just like finished I just like wrote in my journal about this like a day ago or like this was like it's always it's always that
0: of course also we are both uh like astronom is it astronomically Ast- astrologically, astrologically, astrologically yes. deeply compatible too. Yeah. So that would make, that, that also makes sense on that cosmic plane. Um, so yeah, Maggie, back to you. Um, we would love to know a little bit about how you came to be. So you, you're living in new Orleans right now. Tell us where you started. So, Let's begin at conception.
1: Right. at concession <laughs> truthfully don't know where they were um <laughs> have no idea i have never asked
0: parent sex <laughs> love
1: it <laughs> um but when i came into this earth i was at scottsdale Healthcare. so i actually arizona is a weird place to me because i lived there for like a decent chunk of life i lived there for 10 years but yes i'm one of three i'm a middle kid which isn't surprising to people once they read my work Middle child syndrome. Um, yes, middle child syndrome always. But yeah, so I was born in Arizona. I lived there with a brief stint in Jersey um, until I was 10. And then when I was 10, I moved to Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania is always like, I will always say that's where I'm from. It's definitely like, it's a place that I write about a lot. Is it? It's a place that I don't know if I can ever live again. But it's somewhere that is so like absolutely near and dear and special to my heart. And I'm from rural America too. And I mean, I, I've never... I didn't have the experience of growing up in a city, so I don't know what that's like. But growing up in um, rural America is such an interesting, special, strange thing. And I,
0: my town is so weird, like. But like, of course, that you this like this the writer like this amazing writer was born in such like fertile ground, you know, for stories. Ground.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, just like the people you encounter, and I think that's really. I think ultimately, like, who I am is I am someone who, likes to observe things, and I think that when you're a writer, especially when you write about, you know, like, I'm not really a, I I guess I report on, like, myself and, like, the things that I go through, but, like, I very actively, like, journalism as a taught, and in some ways I kick myself, like, should I have taken journalism in school, like, would the process have been simpler in terms of, how to get to a certain place or do a certain thing, but I loved what I studied. And Mm -hmm. what I studied was observing the things that I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. So then- Oh, that's
0: a really cool way to put it.
1: Because that's really, at the end of the day, no matter if you're a journalist, if you're not, like writing is an act of, Joan Didion's is a really well, um, but you know, I love the way that she talks about writing and On Keeping a Notebook is my absolute favorite essay of hers always. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But she often- She would talk about struggling with, you know, will people take me seriously if I write about this thing that isn't this big news story or isn't um, the hot topic of the day? It's really just about something I saw in life and I thought it was worthy. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. if you think something is worthy to write about, then it absolutely is. And to me, like, that's right. a lot of my work actually centers around, a lot of my work is about ghosts and grief and loss and things. All Mm -hmm. of my work centers around my hometown is that kind of like the location of a lot of things. And I think Adolescence, And see, this is I, – I get so – I go on these long tangents about Lewisburg. Please, it is come on. So, let's it's, it's go. So, bring it, bring so it to us. It's so special to me I think about all of like – it's such like a particular place that like – it's like you can see like the ghosts of yourself on street corners and you like feel like what's embedded into the soil of like – because adolescence is just so clumsy and interesting and – I don't know. So Lewisburg is very like when I think about the place that, and really what informs most of who I am, it's absolutely Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. That is who I am through and through. It's it's the place that holds the things that built me, but it's also like the place itself built me too. So
0: yes, Lewisburg. I'm like sitting here like a little kid, like at story time, like on my knees where I'm just like, Maggie. I love Maggie. I love how she uses her words. Ah, oh, wow. That's the best answer I've heard of. Like, where are you from? And you're like, you see the ghost of yourself on the corner. I'm like, oh, okay. We love her. We love I her. I talk
1: I talk about it too much though. I had a point when I was um when I first moved to New Orleans, I was immediately working retail in luxury wellness, um, which is a lot of her my my current um choice of how I work and what I write about comes to play, mm-hmm. but um, there was one day somebody came in. They weren't even from Pennsylvania. They just said they had flown from Philly, and my boss yelled across the store. She goes, "Oh, Maggie loves Pennsylvania," and I was like, "Yeah, I, I definitely do. I'm also from there, which is part
0: of it." But but so many so many great writers that that are actually probably my two favorite writers who are alive today. Uh, obviously, Miss Elizabeth Gilbert mm. and Mrs. Taylor Swift um, are from Pennsylvania. They also both grew up on Christmas tree farms, which is a thing. That is such a thing. I say, I say two, three, cause Maggie Harrison is also still alive. So another, all of my favorite writers are from Pennsylvania. And, uh, I wonder now, how did you get to New Orleans?
1: That is actually, my mom is from what's called the West Bank in New Orleans. My mom is from here. So I'm from like a very large, loud, strong, southern family unit in New Orleans. Um, the reason why I moved here, though, because um, I never expected to. I wanted to move to New York after school. So I graduated high school. I actually played a Division I sport at UMass. It's probably – I maybe wouldn't have even gone to college if I didn't have it. Like, sports, it feels like mm. such a past world for me. Like, I forget that I played sports. I started running again this year. I didn't run for, like f- mm. like, four years, I think. Like, I was so – It was such a big part of my life, and then it stopped, and I was very done with it. Um, It's also a very weird world to be in, and it makes you think about your body in really interesting ways. So, I went to school where um, our sweet Emily Dickinson is from as well. So, I spent a lot of time in Amherst at the Dickinson house. Um, And then the summer Mm -hmm. before my senior year of school, where I was Mm -hmm. applying to jobs in New York, and I had all these interviews, um, and was very dead set on going to New York and living my Carrie Bradshaw fantasy. Um, and that's when my father passed away. So my dad died, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is so like the pandemic has been very strange because um my dad died from flu complications. Um he had a pre-existing heart condition, he got the flu. Um, it overall weakened him because he had a pre-existing condition, um, and then he didn't stop working. He was in his late 60s, should have been retired like five years before he, like, he, he probably could have retired at 65, um, but he was very intent on working until my brother graduated from school, um, working 14-hour days as a near-70-year-old man. Um, and it was just kind of the per- perfect storm. Um, and he ended up dying of a heart attack, had a heart attack while driving. Um, and that just completely changed my life and changed my world. So that was, I mean, but it was very the the first week of my senior year of high school um a very very dear close friend he died in a car accident a single car accident um so like that like that also really changed my life because it was the first time as a grown person that I'd really lost somebody the first time I lost a friend not you know an older relative um or somebody that I knew but distantly or I was just a lot of Loss previously, I'd been a kid and I didn't really understand and I didn't know how to feel that fully because as a kid, you kind of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's so much nuance that you don't understand or you're just not, you feel it, but it's just different than being an adult. Um, but it was, I had that loss the first week of my senior year of mm-hmm. high school and then going into the senior year of college, I lost my dad. So it was very, and these are two men who were really important to me. The first loss, um, he was actually... Yeah. And video actually was my first boyfriend, and it was a very, it was a very interesting, strange dynamic to have had both of those losses at very pivotal points in one's life when everything is about to change, you're about to go somewhere right. else in your life. Um, and then they were planning on snowboarding my parents once um, my brother's out of school. My brother's two years younger than me, and that, you know, then it's just, then it's just what it is. So my mom ended up, um, she decided to move back down here to be with family. Um, and my brother was here for, uh, his undergrad at Tulane. So my mom and I both kind of showed up like, surprise, you went, you went to college really far away. Now we're both here, but there are two different jobs in New York that I was considering. I said no to them. Um, and I, on a whim applied to a place that was, it was like, I applied to a job and I applied to, um, a retail job that ended up being like really wonderful in so many ways. I ended up moving Mm -hmm. down here just, you know be around family and it felt correct. I was here like that Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving after my dad died, I was here for the holiday and I was just kind of standing on a corner and I thought I'm actually gonna come here instead I think. Like I think that that's what feels correct. And then it's actually the apartment that I got was like catty corner to the street corner I was on in the back of a restaurant, back of a Cuban restaurant and they would always bring Mm -hmm. me tres leches when I lived there and it was wonderful. Um, and then the job I got was like a block after that. So it was like on that corner. I was like, I'll just come here.
0: And then I ended up living in that block, essentially. You say, uh, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that so vulnerably with, with, with me, which I am just blown away by your authenticity and, and the way that you show up for, for every person that you speak with, even though there are a lot of people, or I say that I hope a lot of people listening. Um that you that you might never know. So thank you for for being open and existing loudly in this world. It is so appreciated uh, and admired. But you say I, i'm gonna i'm gonna backtrack a little bit. You say that you you know, you went to new orleans your 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 life trajectory had kind of been shattered a little bit. All of the plans that you had made, the people that you had loved are, are gone now um from this side of eternity. You said this feels correct. Yeah, New Orleans feels correct. Can you explain to me what correct feeling you felt and where did it come from? I think that words get so loaded with so
1: many things, which is why I love them. I mean, language, yes. w- words are just containers and then you fill them with things. Uh, uh, in another life, Honestly, I've thought every year or honestly every other day, I'm like, I'll go to grad school for this. And then I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's – like I don't seven. want to give
0: money to Western academia anymore. I can read some good books. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's worth it in terms of debt, but yeah. Wouldn't
0: it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to have Wouldn't like such structured joy? time like, yes, I'm sitting here looking at like my – Beauty myth book and my like Emily Dickinson novel. And I'm like, how fun would it be to like get to like sit with you or like other writers that like care just as much as I do about them and then get to write papers about it for school? I mean, you know, we can make it happen, we can make a curriculum. We, st- I mean, we totally could, we absolutely could, but yes, we digress. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. li- linguistic, linguistically, the word correct that knowing inside of you, um, that seems to be like a, a compass that you've followed pretty. Pretty well. When when did you how did you know what correct was?
1: I think that's a really hard. There are just some things that words can't quite describe, or at least I haven't really figured it out. But I, mm-hmm. I think that feeling of correctness is from when I don't have when I don't have the words for it. That's actually <laughs> That's usually what I use. But I think that, like, certain words, like, right or wrong or good or bad or, like, I should or I shouldn't. Like, I think all of that is so loaded and can mean so many different things. But yes. to me, like, I, I think of the word correct as separate from what's right. Yes. And what that can mean. Because that that can mean a million different things. But correct to me is, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Something can feel correct for a really long time and then it won't. And that's okay, too. Because okay. that's just the next step. So, like, to me, it's that if i'm not listening to whatever voices are in my head i i mean my head is just chaos <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm a very like mercurial person and i feel like i have a million different just personalities and voices just like filing things away and shuffling and like sometimes setting things on fire in my brain so when i find things feel correct it usually means that there's something that cuts through all of those voices
0: that inner knowing that inner compass And you that decides to say, right now, yes. Yeah. I think right now, yes. I am someone, and I
1: think a lot of people who do do a lot with words, a lot of creatives, and just honestly, people in general. I think we're um, always very quick to label creativity and label. Mm -hmm. I I don't. I don't love labels, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I don't love boxes. Um, We're very round. Yes, we're very round. We're very round, and I think that even if it's a hard choice to make, in a sense of like. It could be messy to make that choice or there's things to get in order or it might be a lot simpler to just stay put in where I am and not make that shift or that change or do that thing. Um, even if there, it might, there might be some things that are difficult about, you know, putting it into effect, the choice itself is very clear and very easy. And right.
0: it's right. The,
1: it would be the thought of not making that choice just feels terrible <laughs> just feels worse right yes
0: yeah. yes uh this morning when I was doing uh my morning meditation which that sounds so like woo-woo no, coming out of my I mouth. love that for I you. never thought well I also never thought because I've you, Maggie Maggie knows me and and I come from a pretty um'm I'm, I'm a pretty stoic gal I'm a pretty yeah. type a um um girl even though I do claim you know my enneagram 4 background i'm very emotional and creative but in my external life i'm i'm pretty type a and and i love doing things fast and strictly and on time and routine so meditation's been a really interesting thing that i've dove into in terms of like wellness and health mm-hmm. but i was i was doing i was reading my devotional this morning um, which I, I'm a person of faith and uh, I practice Christian faith, and the devotional was used use the language of above all circumstance. And you know, a, a huge tactic uh, in meditation is visualization, right? So when you are visualizing, it's not like oh, you want to like be like in the goal isn't to be like in complete silence and bliss and enlightenment. It's just to be. It's just to visualize not what you're worrying about, if that makes sense. Like, it's yeah. like not planning, it's not doing, it's just being. And for some reason, the, that language right there of just like above circumstance kind of allowed me to be, even though, you know, me and my little, with my fingers crossed and like my legs crossed, uh, it allowed me to visualize being above the things that were going on, Right and i think that that's kind of where we where our inner compass can exist mm-hmm. is when you can be above all of the chaos all of the fires in the corner all of the you know someone like chanting and like raving over here and you know the internet does such a great job at being a distraction to our brains and not even just a distraction i think the internet implements so so much good but also so much toxic waste that like clutters our mind I would love for you to touch on that because you, you said in a piece of your work, self-love often means slowing down. Taking a moment or two every day to stop and smell the literal and figurative flowers is always meaningful and important. And I think just you, you attesting to moments that feel correct and like just doing, you, you can't do the next right thing until you stop and slow down and figure out, what, like allow your inner compass to know what that is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like above, I love that language and I'm going to I'm definitely going to steal that from you and use that. Um, the notion of like, I love the way you described it too, of like, you're above it, but it also doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So it's that it's being able to rise above it in that sense of like being able to disattach, but then also knowing that like, ultimately like I'm a human being and I have a beating heart and I have like feet on the yeah. ground. Like yeah. it's, That's really what's very special to me about that, and you know, you still have to, you still have to come down, you still have to be a part of daily life.
0: You know, I think that it is really hard to put language around, but you do a pretty good job of it. (laughs) And just like I think, I think like concepts in general, you are so, so, so good at describing something that many of people I feel like since the beginning of time have had a hard time describing, which is grief. Um. It's a, grief isn't even, and you know, I've written about it, you've written about it, we've talked about it, we've cried about it, we, yes. <laughs> we've dissected it back and forth, just like a lot of the great writers and, and thinkers of, of not just our time, but time before us. And you do such a good job of, of describing the interior world of people. Where do you think Where do you think that uh, that started from? Do you think that you've always been an observer or was there a specific moment that you were like, I think I can describe this because I'm watching it?
1: I don't – honestly, I wish I could find a moment. Like there are just some things – like I've just always been doing it. Like since I can remember – like my very first memory was actually when I was in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I was two, almost three, and I happened to walk outside at the exact moment that – the monarchs were migrating through our town and I went outside and I was just this three-year-old child completely surrounded by fluttering orange wings and these butterflies and they're landing on me and they're, and I mean like sometimes I do think it was a dream, but it's been confirmed for me by my parents that yes, I walked outside into butterflies. And I just remember this extreme, pure, utter calm, um, That to this day, I always go back to because I know that that's the first moment where I really felt God or whatever a greater, higher source is and Mm -hmm. had that sense of this is very important. And the first thing I did was go inside and like draw a picture of a butterfly as like I was recording it and I wanted to let myself know that this thing
0: happened. You've always been a journalist.
1: Always. 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 I just want to – I want to see and I want to take it in and I want to write it down. And I think that's why I've always been drawn to the internet and to – the places in the internet that I'm drawn to, but also just media and messaging and meaning because – I th- I mean, I think meaning is the most important thing in the world. And I think yes. attention is a very deep scarcity. Right. Right. Um,
0: Which that's another thing that you, you and I have, have uh, found a lot of camaraderie together in is I think the first book that I ever sent Maggie was uh, – the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry uh, oh, by John Mark Comer, so who's one of my so my personal good. heroes. And so much of, and you know, you don't have to be a Christian to to read it or to listen to the things that he has to say, but there is an epidemic, right, amongst our brains that's been going on for quite some time now. And I think that so much evil can exist uh Inside of, you know, the realm of attention, because whatever you give your mind to is where, where your heart goes, where your soul goes, where, where all of that is heading towards, which, which you work in the wellness industry. You, uh, you care deeply about things that are beautiful and things that can become beautiful. And I think that stillness and attention have to go along with that. You know what I mean? Um, I very much identify with, I said I hate labels, but I love the label of wellness renegade.
1: <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to ride that as a compliment for a while. Take it. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that that is something where the industrialization of most things in today's world are like very deeply problematic and the things that we attach mm-hmm. to and the language of self-care, especially within the wellness and beauty industries. Um, if, I, I, if I see one more brand sell use an Audre Lord quote to sell moisturizer I will just explode <laughs> like I just I can't see it again I can't turn do it, it. I can't like turn it off because that's always a question like is it self-care or is it stuff like that mm. is it self-care or is it stealing your attention away consumerism it's consumerism yeah. and that's where like I like I am I am no precious perfect angel I I love I'm a tourist queen I love stuff as much as the next guy have I like trained yeah. myself to be better about it sure in a lot of ways. And I try to make really intentional good choices. But we're all
0: products. If you live in the West, we're all products of America. Uh, We were born and raised to want more and be on this treadmill of more, 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 go, go, go. Who's taking our attention? What do you need next? What can be fulfilled? It's never sitting still. It's never being satisfied. Specifically, I think now with being the best, right? Mm. Which I, I say now. America, uh, as someone who's only lived here for 26 years, I think our entire culture is obsessed with being the best. We, we are the achievement economy, right? And when it comes to terms of, like, self-care, you know, emotional wellness, physical wellness, health, whatever, that can also be a tool used against us, too. Mm. Like, that can be a double-edged sword. I-, I fell super, like, headfirst into
1: the wellness industry, in um, mm. an effort and it's very easy in that industry to be like oh well I'm being healthy I'm making myself better but then like the idea of self-betterment becomes like I well why am I hyperventilating if I can't open my My Fitness Pal so I know how many calories I'm right. having or like why can I like not go to bed unless I know that I hit like 10,000 steps on my little watch like, I'm, yeah. like there are a lot yeah. of things I think a lot of things in this world can be incredible for us like like the internet like we already said like it a lot of things can be amazing for us, and a lot of th- the same mm-hmm. thing can be terrible for us. And it depends on the person. It yes. depends on the situation. Um, and there is nothing. And I know, you know, people hear us all the time. There's not one size fits all. But I think that, like anything else, your attention is the greatest commodity that you can possibly give in today's world. Attention is everything. Right. We exist in an attention economy. And then within the wellness industry, you're giving all your attention to all these ways to self-better and how to make yourself better. And then it becomes, that becomes Mm -hmm. a marker of success is how good, how many hours, how many minutes of meditation you did. And then if you had like the green smoothie, like it all becomes Mm -hmm. like something to check off the list and then it's an aesthetic, like reel of your morning and it's perfect. And I don't know. There was just a day where it just hit me that I was so tired of all of it like what in, my life, what in my life am I missing by trying to transcend in all of these different ways and ultimately like the version of transcendence that I'm seeking is rooted in control and that can't be what that is anyway.
0: No. It just can't be. Because love can't exist inside control and the entire gimmick of self-love, loving your body, loving the things, you know, that you do to love it as a verb, if you're controlling it, constantly choke holding it, that's not love, no. babe. That's control, right? And you start to feel it. You start to feel it, especially as girls, you know, being in our in our twenties, you know, being, you know, supposedly at like the peak of our performance in terms of uh reproductive health, which like actually research has completely debunked. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, looks, the way that we look objectively and subjectively, all of these things, it's not Worth it? It's just it's not, not worth, it. worth it. It's not worth because your time.
1: It's not worth your attention. It's just not.
0: No, no, because there's so many other beautiful, true, good things that you can trade in your attention for. That first of all, they're going to like give the attention back yeah. tenfold. You know, being able to fill your cup and fill other people's cups, and you know, everyone's like helping everyone stay full. Like, how? What a what a funny. I love it. <laughs> funny way. To no, put, I love way it way though. I think it's perfect. Um. Because the thing is, is like you said, your my fitness pal isn't going to pick you up if you're like stuck on the side of the road. It's going to be the person that like you went and like had pizza with at like midnight and like laughed with and you love and you care about. Like it's not. The the whole like it girl thing is. I'm, I hate cancel culture to be quite honest because I do think that people can apologize and and pivot and grow. But I want to cancel it girl culture because it is toxic. It's so toxic. It is a tool
1: of toxicity. It is. And and I'm like, and ultimately, like for me, the way I was really measuring it is like, oh, I'm doing all these things because they're supposed to make me feel really good and I feel absolutely
0: awful. I don't feel good. (laughs) And
1: I'm giving, and I, I think about like, it's like time, it's money, it is energy that we pour into these things that under, and that's why wellness is so insidious. It's because it's under, it's not like pain is beauty. It's like, no, 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 you do this and you transcend and you feel better and you become the best version of yourself. And it's just these constant looking for answers and all these different things. And you you find a lot of really dark corners of the world and people and then the internet and wealth and what that means. And then, I mean, I went immediately into working in luxury wellness, which are two words that should, like, just
0: not be in the same sentence ever. Right. Right. And – Like, everyone should have access to food and things from the ground yeah, and the earth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Like, that
1: shouldn't be considered a luxury at all. And it was just this really – and finally, I just got so overwhelmed with, like, I don't care. Like – and, and that's not to say that, like, you shouldn't – and this is where it gets complicated because nothing is set in stone. But, like, I mean, like, I'll eat – I like vegetables. Like, I want to feel good and I want to treat my yeah. body well and I want to do these things that I actually enjoy and make me feel good. But it took a really long time and it all – a lot of true things are very simple, which can be really frustrating, especially when you are someone who was in a position like myself. I'm a student of the world, and I want to never stop learning things. You're never going to have all the answers, and you're never going to do everything perfectly. Yeah. And again, it's not to say, like, if you like green juice, I, I, I urge you, please, I want you to have it. I want you to have it. I enjoy it. I want to have it. But it's
0: like... Don't make that an idol. Don't make it an idol. Like, don't, exactly. Don't make don't make your green juice an idol. And like, also, would you be drinking the green juice if you couldn't post about it on your story?
1: Exactly. Who is it for? Who is it, it for?
0: Who are you performing? I think that's a great question that, that we can ask our, ourselves. Who am I performing for? If I didn't have a mirror in one room and a cell phone in the other room, who would I be performing for today? Exactly. Who would I be showing up for today to to make make them feel the best version of themselves today in this moment because sometimes it is a freaking cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Yes. If you're lactose intolerant, don't do that. That'll that'll hurt your body. <laughs> but the thing is, that's the thing is 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 asking yourself, I'm allowed to take up the space. I'm allowed to be who I'd like to be and and how can I serve myself the best that I can? And the internet doesn't help with that. No. Maggie, okay, final question. Um, that I love to ask all of the people that I interview on Cageless, if you could tell your, your younger self anything today from all of the things that you've learned and the knowledge that you have accumulated, what would you tell younger Maggie?
1: If I could tell younger Maggie something, I would probably tell her that um, it's all going to be okay. Really, I, I mean... I think I would tell her that, you know, life just life will continue to happen until it doesn't and you just do the best you can with what you have at any given point.
0: So simple. Yeah.
1: And feel your feelings.
0: Be a sad little girl. <laughs> be sad, <laughs> all fine. be happy. The point, I believe this is another, you know, woman that I greatly look up to in light of women, Miss Glennon Doyle says it best. The goal isn't to feel happy or sad, it's to feel everything.
1: It is. And that's actually, that's... Feel everything. Feel everything. And that's where, um, that's actually been. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've journeyed into the spaces in which I have in terms of like writing and creativity and art. But this specific, the like depersonalization dissociation, very specifically for a long time, I couldn't fully feel anything. And that was really, so I was always very interested in emotions because I felt like I was more so, I felt like I was observing them separately. Like I was always sitting in my head kind of looking at it and kind of wondering what it was up to and wondering what it was doing. And it was really, it's a very strange thing because when it was really bad, then like I would, in, during the day, my brain would know what it didn't want to feel or it didn't know how to feel it. So it just wouldn't. Not to say I didn't have, like, compassion and things. Like, I wasn't, like, a monster. It was just, like, I couldn't fully feel joy. And I couldn't fully feel super sad about things. And then at night, my, like, subconscious brain couldn't control it. Mm. So then I would just feel everything. Yeah. So I didn't sleep for a year. Which is why I got help. But, yeah, that's definitely something Is like, feeling is that's why I'm so interested in emotions and how things are I think and the ways that our brain works but definitely like, the
0: way that you that you that you just move through language is just it's beautiful it's beautiful it's beautiful and I would love for you to share with our listeners where they can find your words where can we read your words where can we connect with you on the, the world wide web.
1: So you can connect with me. It's ml-harrison.com. I will link it. And I have an Instagram that I am weird on. So you can go see I me be weird. You can go see me be weird on the internet
0: and post random pop culture photos and occasionally writing. And I will say, every time Maggie posts, I'm like, me too. Yeah, that's me. That's the like, same. Yes. So her content, everything that she shares is not only relatable, but. Thank you, Maggie, for taking time to talk to us, and I love you, and I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week, and we will see you next time on Cageless. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast. It's important because, well, I want to know what you think. You can ask me questions at Cageless Podcast on Instagram or text me at 903 871 Five zero nine two.